The Old Testament reading is Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. And this is a a well-known passage uh, to us, uh, Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. And it demonstrates to us the power of the Word of God uh, to bring life out of death. And in our New Testament reading, in our sermon text, we'll see that same power of the Word of God in which Uh, by which God calls sinners dead in their sins and trespasses to new life in Jesus Christ. So first, let's hear from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. And this is the infallible, the inerrant, uh, the living and true uh, word of God. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you. And you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. And now turn to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 through 14. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. To this, he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you have that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter. The grass withers, the flower fades, 
but the word of our God will stand forever. Uh, Two weeks ago, we began a, a series of sermons on the topic of the order of salvation. Uh, Sometimes uh, theologians use the Latin phrase to refer to this, uh, the ordo salutis, uh, but we'll just call it the order of salvation. And if you recall, uh, the order of salvation, it consists of all the acts of the grace of God by which the Holy Spirit applies to us uh, the benefits and the blessings of that salvation which Christ, uh, the Son of God, has accomplished for us in his, uh, resur- in his crucifixion, burial, resurrection. And when we began this series a couple of weeks ago, uh, we saw that the one overarching, encompassing reality or truth that ties together all of these various blessings and benefits in the order of salvation, the one reality that binds them all together is union with Christ, the the truth that as Christians, we are united to Jesus Christ. And if you remember, uh, this is how the Bible most often refers to believers uh, as those who are in Christ. As Christians, we are in Christ. We are united with him. And it is through that union with him that we receive all of the blessings of salvation. And this morning, we're going to consider how it is that God unites us to Christ in the first place. And he does so, he draws us to Christ, he unites us to Christ by his sovereign, his powerful call. And that is the subject that we will take up this morning then. And this is what comes first in the order of salvation, calling, God's call uh, to us uh, to come to Christ. So let's begin with a, a general or broad definition of calling. A calling is God's work through the Holy Spirit uh, to summon sinners to come to Jesus Christ uh, in order to be saved. And you notice I use the word summon. And I use that word because a call or God's call, in a sense, it is an invitation uh, to receive grace. But it is more than an invitation. It is a summons. It comes with an imperative force. Uh, Perhaps at some point you have received a summons from the local uh, court system or courts, uh, the local courts uh, to serve on a jury. And you know when you received that summons from the court uh, to be on a jury that there wasn't uh, a request for an RSVP. Uh, You could not politely decline the request, but this was a summons from the authorities with uh, with, uh, that was imperative. You must show up for jury selection unless you have a really good excuse why you can't be there. And in the same way, God's call is a divine summons in the sense that he, not mere, he doesn't merely invite us to Christ, but he commands us to come to Jesus. Uh, Paul says in Acts chapter 17, God commands all people everywhere to repent. And so God's call then, in the most general sense, is that uh, summons or command or invitation uh, to come to Christ for salvation. Now, when it comes to the scripture's use of the word call or calling, uh, there are two ways that the Bible uses this word when it speaks about God's calling us to come to Christ. Or another way to put it, there are two aspects to this one call by which uh, God summons 
sinners to faith in Christ. And so the first aspect of this call is this, that God calls all people to salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is our first uh, point, that God calls all people to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know from Scripture it is the will of God that his gospel be preached everywhere to every person that the church can reach with that gospel. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples on the Great Commission, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And it is through this worldwide preaching of the gospel that God calls all people everywhere indiscriminately. Whoever hears the gospel, there is a call to turn from sin, to turn to Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Um, As an illustration of this general call to all people, uh, Jesus tells us a parable in Luke chapter uh, 14 of a man who gave a great banquet. And at this banquet, the invited guests, those who had been invited previously, uh, they refused to come. And so the man sends out his servant to the highways and hedges to compel people to come in so that his house may be filled. Now, the servant goes out then to compel people, that is not to bring them in by physical force, but to urge them, to exhort them, uh, to uh, passionately uh, Tell them, come into my master's feast, come to the banquet. And it shows us that the master wanted his, uh, he wanted the invitation to his banquet to reach all the people possible. He sent them out to the highways and the hedges. And in the same way, this is the nature of God's general or universal call that he wills to be uh, Preach to all people everywhere indiscriminately, every single human being, every sinner, everybody. God wills to hear this call to come to Jesus Christ by faith for salvation. And this is the call that goes out to all who hear the gospel, uh, to those in the highways and the hedges, to all people. And that is God is beckoning, summoning sinners to come to Christ by faith. Of course, the tragedy is, is that many refuse this call. And when they hear the gospel, rather than turning from their sins, rather than coming to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, they remain in their unbelief. They do not respond to the call. And ultimately, if they do not ever respond to that call, they will be led to eternal destruction because of their unbelief. And we know from Scripture that this must take place because... Only those whom God has set apart, only those whom God has appointed to inherit eternal life will ultimately respond by faith uh, to the call of God to come to Christ for salvation. Uh, This is what the Lord Jesus taught us when he said, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. And nevertheless, though, despite the fact that God calls all people to salvation, yet only chooses those who will actually respond to that call. Nevertheless, this call that goes out is a call that goes out with utmost sincerity on the part of God. It is a true offer of salvation. It is not disingenuous. It is not false. But every single sinner who hears the gospel is hearing the voice of God calling them to believe in Christ for salvation. And so there is a sincere offer of grace and salvation in the gospel that is to be preached to every creature. And if you are hearing my words today, 
And if you have not yet come to Christ by faith, then this call is going out to you today. And this is what the Lord is calling you who have not come to Christ. This is what he is calling you today. He is calling you to come to him. Believe. Acts 16, 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. This is God's call. Believe in the Son of God. Believe in Jesus Christ, that he came into the world in order to die for sinners. Believe that God raised him from the dead for you. Believe that he came in order to give you that eternal life that you cannot do for yourself or you cannot obtain for yourself. Turn from your sin. Put your trust in Christ. Bow to him as your Lord and Savior, and you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. You will receive the gift of eternal life. If you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you are outside of Christ, then this is what God is calling you today to do, to turn to Christ for salvation. And so in one sense, God calls all people everywhere to believe in Jesus, that they may be saved. But Scripture also speaks of calling in another sense. And that is, on the one hand, as we've seen, God calls all people everywhere to repent and to come to Christ for salvation. But on the other hand, God calls only his elect to salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, how can both things be true? Well, we'll we'll consider that as we go along. So it is true that in the preaching of the gospel, God calls all people to come to Christ for eternal life. But when the New Testament speaks of calling, most often it refers to calling in a different sense, in another sense. And that is, the New Testament speaks of calling as God's sovereign, his powerful work, not just in commanding or summoning or calling sinners to faith in Christ, but in actually drawing them to Christ. God's powerful work in bringing sinners to Jesus Christ. This is how the New Testament usually refers to God's calling or his call, not just the summons, but the actual bringing a sinner to Christ. And that is the first thing to say about calling in this second sense, that God's call to his elect is an effectual call. It is an effectual call. Effectual means that the call of God succeeds infallibly in the purpose for which God uh, sends that call out, and that is to bring his people to faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. And this is what the New Testament passage that we read uh, speaks to. So let me read those verses to you again. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we ought, not, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, Brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul tells the Thessalonians, God chose you. God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. You have been set apart by God from eternity to inherit the salvation. But then he goes on to say, in verse 14, to this he called you. To this he called you. He called them to that salvation for which he set them apart and chose them in eternity. And so calling here is clearly a calling that is not a mere summons, but a drawing of God's people to Christ. Uh, We see the same thing in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 30. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Uh, Here, calling is a part of this unbreakable chain of God's grace that begins with predestination and ends with glorification. Those whom he has predestined, he has called. Those whom he called, ultimately, he will glorify. And so calling here is limited. Not, it, it, this is not the indiscriminate call that goes out to all people, but calling here is God's sovereign act of grace by which he draws sinners to Christ, those whom he has predestined, those whom he has already determined will inherit salvation and one day be glorified. And so, and there are numerous other passages uh, we could go to that show that the Bible's, uh, the Bible's teaching on calling is it is the sovereign act of God to bring his people to himself. Uh, Jesus said in John six forty four, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless. Well, praise God that word unless is there. The first part of the verse, no one can come to me. No one can come to me. No matter how many times we may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter how passionately the gospel may be preached, unless, unless the Father draws us, unless by the Spirit of Christ we are made alive so that we respond to that call, unless that is the case, we cannot come to Christ. John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. All that the Father gives to Christ will most certainly, most assuredly come to Jesus Christ because God will draw them. He will call them to his son, Jesus. In John chapter 11, we have a wonderful illustration of this truth of the power, the sovereign power that goes out with the call of God when that call is given to those whom God has set apart to receive salvation. And this, in John chapter 11, this is when Jesus stood outside uh, the tomb of Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And Jesus, uh, John tells us, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now remember, Lazarus was dead. Uh, He was not weak. He was not sick. He was very, very dead. Uh, If you remember, uh, Martha uh, somewhat indelicately uh, told Jesus that he's been dead for four days. By this time, there will be an odor. Uh, The new King or the King James Version says, you know, by this time he stinketh. So he was very dead. But at the sovereign call of Jesus, the decomposing corpse of Lazarus came to life. He came to life and he walked out of the tomb. And in the same way, Jesus issues that call to his people who are just as dead, just as dead spiritually, dead in sins, dead in our trespasses. And he says, come out, come out of unbelief, come out of a life of sin, come out of your bondage to, the, to, to darkness and to sin, come to life. And when Christ calls out in this way to one who has been given to him by the Father, the dead come to life. He raises the dead by this call. And that's effectual calling. That's effectual calling. Now, because this call of God is effectual, it is irresistible. 
That is, God overcomes all resistance in the sinner in drawing his people to Christ through his call. But that does not mean that those whom God irresistibly calls to himself, that they come against their will. Rather, those who come to Christ come because they want to come. And they want to come to Christ because God has already worked in them to give them a new heart, a new will, a new desire. According to our confession of faith, and this is scriptural teaching, those whom God calls come most freely, being made willing by his grace. Uh, when our, our dog was uh, younger and we wanted to take her somewhere, uh, somewhere, you know, for a walk. We always took her places that were uh, fun, you know, for her to go. And yet, for some reason, she thought we, she thought that was the last thing that she wanted was to be put into the car. And so we had to practically drag her into the car, kicking and screaming. Well, not really kicking and screaming because she doesn't do that, but she would, she would put her paws out on the ground and embrace herself. And so we had to literally pick her up and put her into the van and take her to a place that she ended up loved going on a walk or something like that. And some people think that if we talk about a sovereign call of God that is irresistible, that this is what we're talking about, that God somehow drags or forces unwilling sinners into his kingdom, uh, kicking and screaming. But of course, it's not that way at all. And you know that from your own experience. How many of you unwillingly put your faith in Christ? You may be surprised that you were doing that. You may have thought that that was the last thing you would ever do was to become a Christian. But how many of you did so unwillingly? Nobody. You did so willingly, even joyfully, with gratitude, because God, had, he made you alive. He wakened you up. He gave you a new heart. He enabled you to see that the best thing for you, the only thing that you can do, the thing that you want to do, is to come to Christ. Seek forgiveness and to know him as your Savior and Lord. And so he draws us. He makes us willing. And so we come most willingly. And yet it is a sovereign, irresistible call. By the same token, all who reject God's general call, all who reject that call of the gospel that goes out to all people, they do so not because they're forced to, but because they want to. They don't want to come to Christ. And of course, in that case, a person is only acting according to his nature. He is dead in sin. He cannot respond to that call. He refuses it. And unless God intercedes by his grace, he refuses it to the end. But this truth of God's call to you, that if you belong to Christ, that this is God's sovereign call, that it is his effectual call, what this truth highlights for us is that our salvation is all of grace. It's all of grace. It's not as though we have a choice that God has given us and that if we are smart enough and wise enough to make the right choice, then we go to heaven. If that was all that there is, then we could pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm so glad that I was smart enough to make this right choice. No, it's all of grace. Did we set ourselves apart from before the foundation of the world to inherit eternal life? No, God did. It is all of grace. Did we go to the cross? Were we crucified for our sins? Of course not. The very thought of it is blasphemous. 
it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins. It's all of grace, and it's all of grace that God calls you to himself. It is a sovereign work of grace. Apart from that, you would never come to him. And so you only will to come to Christ because God graciously gave you that will. Or to put it another way, he chose you uh, to choose him. And so your faith is by the grace of God. So God's call to his elect is an effectual call. The second thing to say about this uh, sovereign call to the people of God is that God calls or God's call to his elect comes through the word of God. It comes through the preaching of the gospel. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, uh, Romans says, uh, Paul says this. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of Christ will be saved. But then he goes on to ask a series of questions. How can people call on the name of the Lord if they have not believed in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not heard of him? And how can they hear of him unless someone preaches Christ to them? And how will someone preach Christ to them unless he is sent to preach the gospel? And after going through this series of questions, Paul comes to this conclusion in verse 17, that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In other words, the salvation of sinners depends upon the preaching of the word of Christ. That is the gospel. Salvation depends upon sinners hearing the gospel. It is the proclamation of the word of God then that brings sinners to faith in Christ and salvation in him. And faith comes by hearing the word of God because it is the Holy Spirit who works through that word that is proclaimed to draw those whom God would have to come to Christ. In other words, the spirit works through the word of God to bring life to the dead. And that's uh, the truth that was demonstrated or illustrated in Ezekiel chapter 37. When the prophet Ezekiel, he is in the midst of this valley of dry bones the Lord commands Ezekiel to prophesy over these bones that they may come to life. The Lord says to Ezekiel, or Ezekiel uh, is, to, is to tell these bones, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And as he preaches, as he proclaims the word of God, then these dry bones, they begin to come to life. And they become an exceedingly great army. They are living, they are breathing. It is the word of God because it is the spirit of God at work through his word that brings life out of death. And in the very same way, when the Spirit works through the Word of God, as that Word is proclaimed to sinners, He brings life out of death. It is a life-giving gospel. It is a life-giving message. And so there is God's general call or universal call to all people, to every creature. The message of God is this. Come to Christ for salvation. But there is also this effectual call by which God powerfully, sovereignly draws his people to Christ. But we're not talking about two different calls here. We're talking about two aspects of one call, and that one call of God goes out in the same form, and that is the proclamation of the gospel. It is through his word, the same gospel, that some believe and others reject. This is the call of God. And so uh, two people, they can sit in the same church service. Uh, they can hear the same preacher. They hear the same sermon. 
And one of them, by the grace of God, he hears the gospel. He is made alive. He repents. He turns to Christ. He is a new creature. He is forgiven. And he walks away bound for glory. And the person next to him who hears the very same message, he responds with unbelief. Perhaps he, he is even hardened in his unbelief and sin. And he walks away bound for destruction. They hear the same call. But how is it that that same call brings one person to Christ and it has no effect on the other? It is because the Holy Spirit works powerfully uh, in order to cause the one whom God has set apart for salvation to respond in faith. I like to think of God's call in this way. Imagine, and I've shared this with you, uh, for those of you who've been through the new members class, I think I've used this illustration with you, but imagine a playground uh, in a neighborhood uh, with a bunch of kids playing in it, and it's dinner time, so imagine a father uh, standing outside his house, and he begins to call out to his son to come home. Johnny, it's dinner time, come home. Now, I recognize that if you're under the age of 25 or so, Uh, This illustration is going to be confusing because you're wondering, well, why doesn't he just text his son? Why is he standing outside his front door shouting his head off? Well, just imagine this illustration will only work for you if you can imagine a world without cell phones. I know know that's hard, but picture it. So every child on the on the playground, here's here's the voice, the call of the father calling his son to come home. But only the son recognizes the voice as his father and only the son responds to the call by going home to his father and it's in the same way the gospel is God's call to all people to come to Christ for salvation but only those whom God has set apart to be his children will hear that call and recognize it as the voice of their father and go home to him and so there's one call God works through that one call effectually to draw his people to himself. Now, there are three implications of what this call means for you as a Christian. First of all, in calling you to salvation in Christ, God calls you to enjoy and experience all the benefits and blessings of salvation. Now, listen to 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God calls you into the fellowship, to the communion, to knowing the Son of God. In other words, the call of God is not merely so that legally, forensically, your sins can be forgiven, which it is that, which is glorious, it is wonderful, but it's even more than that. God calls you into a living communion with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He who is the inexhaustible source of life and joy and blessedness and peace. And you are called to receive and possess and enjoy all these spiritual blessings that flow to you from Christ. And so the Bible, in many verses, uh, testifies to this. First uh, Peter 3, 9. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Galatians 5, 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. First Corinthians 7, 15. God has called you to peace. Ephesians 4, 4, you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. 1 Timothy 6, 12, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And 1 
Thessalonians 2.12, God calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And so God calls you then to enjoy, to experience every blessing that is yours in that communion, that fellowship uh, with Jesus Christ. Secondly, in calling you to salvation in Christ, God calls you into communion with the body of Christ. In almost all of the passages that I just read to you, uh, the word you, as in God called you, that is in the plural. Uh, the Bible is speaking to Christians, not just individually, but collectively. Uh, now, this is partly this is because most of the letters of the New Testament were written not to individuals, but to churches. But it also shows us how God presents to us or how the Bible presents to us God's call. And it's 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 that God is not just calling us individually uh, to individual lives and destinies apart from one another, but he calls us people to himself, but also to one another, to be one body, to be one in Christ. He calls us to live together, serve together, worship together, grow together, to prepare for glory together. Now you see this collective nature of God's call to his people in Ephesians 4.4. 4, uh, the apostle says there is one body and one spirit, just as you, plural, were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. And so what we're talking about here is the church, the church, that we are called to be a part of the church. Uh, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. Uh, it refers generally to an assembly of people. But when you break down that Greek word into its parts, what it really literally means is called out. And so the church is God's uh, called out ones. And so as the church, we are those whom God has called out of sin and unbelief whom he has called to Christ, but whom he has called out together uh, to that communion and fellowship that we have with one another in the body of Christ. And so God does not call anybody to salvation in Christ whom he does not also call to be a part of the body of Christ. And so if you have been called to Christ for salvation, you have also been just as equally called to be a part of the church, the body of Christ. Just by being a Christian, by virtue of your being a Christian, you were called into that communion of the people of God. And so you were called then to serve with, to worship with, to love and to bear the burdens of your brothers and sisters in Christ who have also been called by the grace of God, not only to Christ, uh, but to one another as his people. So God calls you into communion with the body of Christ. And thirdly, in calling you to salvation, God calls you to live a life pleasing to him. You are not, you're not only called to Christ to be your savior, but he calls you to Christ to be your Lord, uh, that you might live in obedience to his commandments. And with that call, he does give you his spirit to enable you to live according to his word. First Thessalonians 4, 7, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. It's a holy calling. Uh, Romans 1.17, you are called to be saints, that is, holy ones. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We have been called to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. We've been called to holiness. We are to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. And so in calling you to salvation, God calls you to enjoy all the blessings and the benefits that are yours in Christ. 
He calls you into communion with the body of Christ, the church, and he calls you to live a life pleasing to him. And as I said, with that call, he also gives you his grace and spirit to enable you to live that life. And what is our response to this gracious call? Well, first of all and foremost, it is to thank God. It is to thank him for the grace he has given us. That he has called us out of his dark or out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Uh, the hymn that we'll, we'll sing last in our service today is How Sweet and Awesome is the Place. And the first two verses of that hymn uh, go like this. How sweet and awesome is the place with Christ within the doors. While everlasting love displays the choicest of her stores. While all our hearts and all our songs join to admire the feast. Each of us cries with thankful tongue. Lord, why was I made a guest? And that is the question. Why? Why did God call you? Why did he call me? Because of his mercy, because of his grace, because he set his love upon us. That is the only answer that we know, but we know enough to give thanks to him and to praise him and to rejoice in this grace that he has given us, that he has called us to salvation in Christ.